Well, today we're going to be spending just a few minutes uh, looking at the book of Jonah together. Uh, obviously, even people who aren't familiar with the Bible are familiar with the story of Jonah, at least in terms of him being swallowed by a great fish. And a lot of people don't know the context of that, of course, uh, outside of the Bible. But uh, they, they recognize at least there's a story about this man who was swallowed by a great fish, and, and they know that at least. Well, Jonah is actually a story that is extraordinarily important for us today um, because a large part of it is actually about prejudice. It's about uh, discrimination. It's about xenophobia. It's about hatred of people who are different. And certainly in the world today, and even in North America, there is no shortage of that sort of uh, fear or hatred of those who are different. Jonah, as a book, is a narrative story about uh, this prophet and about God's incredible providence. Also about how God uses people in shocking ways, or he uses shocking people, actually, in a variety of ways. In Hebrews 11, you'll remember when we're looking at some of those examples of faith, the reality is everyone in Hebrews 11 is someone who had enormous personal failures, yet they were still praised and credited for their faith. Uh, the author, almost halfway through the chapter, will say, well, you know, I don't have time to talk about uh, others like Jephthah. Uh, Jephthah was a terrible character, if you read the book of Judges. Um, he was sort of like the leader of this street gang, violent and rough, and he ends up sacrificing his daughter uh, in order to sort of honor some rash vow that he took. Samson. Uh, in Sunday school, we've lionized Samson as this incredible uh, example of faith. But, but the truth is, if you read Judges, uh, the whole structure of the book, but also his own story, shows you very clearly that Samson was a man who was uh, weak spiritually and morally in every possible way. He used his gift for himself. And David's another one. I mean, he commits adultery, but not only that, there's a sense with Israel, tens of thousands of people die. Uh, he's bloodthirsty. He's a kind of a petty crime syndicate extortioner at certain points in his life. He murders men to have their wives. I mean, this is not the noblest character that you're ever going to find. But the author of Hebrews says, look at their lives. They were able, God was able to use them because they had faith. And so often God can use people as instruments to accomplish his will, his will and his work. But it's not because it's no credit to the instrument. He's this very frail, very, very feeble, very weak, very sinful individuals. He gives gifts and then he honors those gifts so the glory goes to him and you can't, people can't take credit for it on their own. Jonah's like that. I mean, if you actually look at the prophets in Israel, the prophets were often called the ministries of futility. They would preach against opposition. They'd be persecuted. A lot of them were martyred. Uh, they were ignored, they were beaten, they were rejected. In Israel, Jonah is wildly successful in terms of being a prophet. He goes to preach to the Ninevites. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He wants the Assyrians to be destroyed by God. He goes grudgingly, tries to go the opposite direction, you know, thrown overboard, swallowed by the fish, transported to Nineveh. But he's the only prophet he preaches and this huge revival breaks out. People repent, these, pagan, these pagans repent, the pagan king repents. 
they, they even sort of ceremonially put sackcloth on their animals to show how much there's repentance across the nation from top to bottom. Jonah is the one whose preaching is by far the most successful, but he's also the most reluctant. He's preaching to an audience that he hopes will be destroyed. He goes out, he sits down, he watches over the city, and it seems to him very wrong, and he becomes very angry that God does not destroy the Ninevites. And he says, as he prayed to the Lord, isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. I mean, this is Jonah's lament. You know, he's the most successful preacher in the history of the world up until this point in time. And he's lamenting because he doesn't want the people to be saved. He wants them to be damned. He wants them to be destroyed. He wants them to die. They're just pagans. They're just little, you know, petty criminals. They, they get what they deserve. God, strike them dead. And he even dares to use the name of God when God revealed himself graciously in Moses, to Moses. Before, at the instant of the golden calf, God said he was going to destroy the people of Israel, and Moses pleaded with him not to, and God revealed himself as the one who is gracious and compassionate, abounding in love. In other words, Jonah praises God for these characteristics to Israel, but he's angry with God for, having, for demonstrating those same characteristics towards the Ninevites. It's the ultimate insider-outsider group. Because unless they belong to us, I hope God gets them. When they die, they'll know what judgment really is. God then challenges him. Is it right for you to be angry? Then Jonah goes out and sits east of the city. The Lord provides, this says the text says the Lord provided a leafy plant which grew up. We don't know how many feet tall it was, but you know, this shade plant grows up. Then it says Jonah was very happy. Then it says, the Lord provided a worm that ate the plant at the roots, and the plant withered. And then the Lord provided a scorching wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head, and he grew faint. He wanted to die, and said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, chapter 4, verse 9, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant that you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? This gives us such a lens into how God looks at our complaining and priorities as well. What are we really concerned about? Are we concerned about the comforts of our own lives, or are we concerned about the gospel? Are we concerned about you know, delays at the bank, or, or the drive through or are we concerned about all of the people who don't know the Lord? Are we concerned about our creature comforts, or are we concerned about global injustices? Where's our heart? What really motivates us? What, what really gets a hold of our thinking and our hearts? It's a great challenge. 
You know, God says, look, there's a lot of people out there, they, they don't know their right hand from their left hand. They, they can't tell their own feet apart. They, they don't know anything. You know, they, they, they walk and they can barely put one foot in front of another. Is it their, is it, you know, which one of their feet is it? Is it their left foot? Is it their right foot? Is it their right hand, left hand? They're clueless. Why are we so concerned with the latest comforts for ourselves? rather than with this whole world where there are people who helplessly and hopelessly are lost, apart from knowing the redemptive love of God through Jesus Christ. There's a lot of lessons from Jonah. One is that God is in charge. One is that the gospel reaches surprising people. One is that it really challenges our own hearts and prejudices and minds and priorities. But another reality is that God uses the strangest, least qualified people. There's something about the gift. There's something about the power of the word. It's one of the reasons why so many people think that pastors and ministers are hypocrites. Well, there's a lot of us who don't measure up. None of us measure up. But God still uses people. Sometimes people are scandalized. You hear, well, so-and-so was like, they, they taught all of these things, but then they ended up being like this. And it's not a mystery. If God was only going to use good and perfect people, he'd have no one to use. He'd have no servants fit to do any tasks whatsoever. No, God's power is made perfect through our weaknesses. God is a God of grace. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that God will use a prophet who hates people to be the most successful preaching prophet in the world? I don't know. We don't seem to act that way a lot. But one of the things we learn in the book of Jonah was, despite Jonah's laments, despite how much he lamented being successful in ministry, as much as there are people who didn't know their left hand from their right hand, their left foot from their right foot. God still used this, this man, this story, this message to bring salvation. And so let's pray. Let's pray that we'll be good servants, but let's also recognize, thank God, it doesn't hinge on our cleverness or even our goodness. It hinges on the power of the gift, the Holy Spirit, and the truth of God. If we can really believe that and just allow ourselves to be abandoned to God's grace, not trying to perform or measure up, maybe we'd see revival break out in the world because we'd stop having people look at us and we'd start having them look to Jesus. Oh, may God forgive us if our hearts are wrong. May God forgive us if we're prejudiced or biased. May God forgive us if we want some people to, to be damned like Jonah did. And may God forgive us for thinking it's, it's the man or the woman or the child they're just the vessel. Salvation belongs to the Lord and to the Lord alone. And may God help us to go out, to not be like Jonah and to be like Jonah, depending on uh, what we're looking at. But may we see tremendous things break out. And may, unlike Jonah, let's not, let's not lament, let's rejoice when we see God bring salvation to sinners and societies transformed. God bless you.